Day and welcome to another episode of Live Till Five. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. This is episode 299 on this Friday, January 18th, 3.05 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio, KHMG 88.1 FM. Glad to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. Again, I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. You can listen to us on the radio dial, or you can listen to us online, khmg.org, khmg.org. Check us out online. You can click on the little listen button there and listen to a live stream of all of our radio broadcasting. You can also download the podcast of this show and many other great shows we produce here at Harvest Family Radio at that same location, khmg.org. I also highly recommend that you follow us on Facebook, Harvest Family Radio Guam. Find us, subscribe to all of our updates, and then when we upload a new podcast or put out a link for something helpful to you, you'll be notified if you want to be. Plus, it's a great way for you to private message us through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam. We'd love to hear from you. It is episode 299. I'm looking for some good ideas for episode 300. So if you have any, please feel free to submit them to me through private message on our Facebook page, or you can send them to me directly. 300, that's a big deal. 300 episodes next week. So episode 299 today is going to be a great one. We're going to talk about some Native American heritage things today, so... Maybe you are part Native American or First Peoples if you're from Canada. We're going to talk about that today because of a news article that was given to me by a listener, PD. Thank you, PD. We always like to use listener-submitted content. And that article actually gave me some clarity on what to do for my topic of the day. So... Thank you very much, PD, for that help. It is the month of January. The day is the 18th, the hour and minute, 3.07 p.m. if you're listening to the live broadcast. But you might be catching us on Saturday or Sunday saying, wait a minute. Is this a rebroadcast? Well, yes, it is. Saturdays from noon to 2, Sunday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. You can catch us on the rebound when we rebroadcast the show, all two hours of it in its entirety on the air, online. So if you ever miss part of the show or you want to listen to some part of it again or you want to tell someone else about it, Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. And we do that because we know many people cannot just listen to two straight hours of radio. I mean, come on. We all have things to do, right? 
So this gives you a way to catch the parts that maybe you missed. Now, it being the month of January, there are some observances and holidays, including it is International Quality of Life Month, Wayfinding Month, Wealth Mentality Month, March of Dimes, Birth Defects Prevention Month. I remember March of Dimes. I don't see much March of Dimes stuff here on Guam, but in the States, you might walk into a store or a restaurant, and they'll have like a little cardboard stand-up, you know, maybe eight and a half by 11 cardboard stand-up little display. And it's just a flat little poster board that has a picture of maybe 100 dimes on it. And each picture of a dime actually has a little slot there and you can put a real dime in there. And I believe they collect like $10 per display or something like that. And it's a great way to collect money for a fundraiser specifically to help with the research and prevention of birth defects. So March of Dimes. This is uh, March of Dimes Birth Defects Prevention Month in January. National Be On Purpose Month. Blood Donor Month. Book Blitz Month. Braille Literacy. Candy Month. Clean Up Your Computer Month. Egg Month. Fiber Focus and Glaucoma Awareness Month, to name a few. There's there's quite a few observances uh, in this month. As far as weeks go, since it is the 18th, let's see what's happening this week. We just had Cuckoo Dancing Week just ended yesterday. Boy, I missed celebrating that. Fresh Squeeze Juice Week started yesterday. Today's uh, Week of Christian Unity begins today. Bald Eagle Appreciation Day starts tomorrow and Sunday. Snowmobile Safety and Awareness Week starts Sunday. Make sure, folks, that you practice snowmobile safety. I know, actually, we have some people listening in New England and in Wisconsin. So for you folks, practice snowmobile safety. Drive smart. Be careful. Okay, everyone else, Clean Out Your Inbox Week starts on the 20th. Healthy Weight Week's the 20th. Hunt for Happiness Week is the 20th. Activity Professional Weeks is the 20th. Uh, Certified Registered Nurse Anesthetists Week, 20th through the 26th. Handwriting Analysis is the 20th through the 26th. School Choice Week. Sugar Awareness Week. No Name Calling Week. Hoof Care Week. Those all are happening in this upcoming week. As far as days go, it being the 18th, let's see what observances have been provided to me. Oh, I forgot to mention, this list that I have in my hand here was provided by none other than a great man, a great friend, a great librarian, and a great part-time registrar, Bob Shuck. So thank you, Bob, for providing me with this list here. It is the 18th. It is Bean Day. Lee Jackson Day in Virginia. Gourmet Coffee Day. Ooh, that sounds good. Maybe we'll have some gourmet coffee coming up here from the hub in a little bit. We shall see. Peking Duck Day. Not like a duck peeking out of, you know, a, uh, a duck's nest, but Peking Duck, like Peking China. Popcorn Day. Thesaurus Day. That's not um, prehistoric animal. Thesaurus is like a dictionary, but it's a book full of synonyms and antonyms. Winnie the Pooh Day. Tomorrow, the 19th, Archery Day, Confederate Confederate Memorial Day in Texas, Gun Appreciation Day, Uh, let's see here, Robert E. Lee's birthday observed in Florida, Soup Swap Day, Uh, Tin Can Day, 
and the World Day of Migrants and Refugees. The 20th, Camcorder Day. Does anyone still have a camcorder? Most people just use their phones for that. Inauguration Day. Uh, Butter Crunch Day. Cheese Lovers Day. I could celebrate that. Coffee Break Day, which is funny because Coffee Break Day on a Sunday just seems a little out of place, but Disc Jockey Day. Scrutiny of Human Life or Pro-Life Day. Sanctity of Human Life. Sorry, I read that wrong. Pro-Life Day is Sunday. Penguin Awareness, Underwater Parks, and World Snow Day. The 21st, Blue Monday, Civil Rights Day, Idaho Human Rights Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, Let's see here. Crowd Feed Day, Day of Service, Granola Bar Day, Hugging Day, New England Clam Chowder Day. Uh, Let's see here. Squirrel Appreciation Day and World Snowboard Day. The 22nd, Celebration of Life Day. National Answer Your Cat's Question Day, Blonde Brownie Day, and Roe v. Wade Day. 23rd, Measure Your Feet Day, Handwriting Day, Pie Day, Rhubarb Pie Day, and Snowplow Mailbox Hockey Day. 24th, Belly Laugh Day, Change a Pet's Life Day, International Mobile Phone Recycling Day, Compliment Day, Peanut Butter Day, Talk Like a Grizzled Prospector Day, and uh, Women's Healthy Weight Day. Those are all things that are happening in this next week. Observances. January is kind of a full month when it comes to those types of things. And I'm glad you're here with us on Live Till 5 Day, which is every Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. We're going to take a short break for Harvest Highlights. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about our topic of the day, Native American heritage, along with many other Fun things. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. This is episode 299 of Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM. It's Friday, January 18th, 3.14 p.m. here at the KHMG studios. Stick around for Harvest Highlights and more Live Till 5 after this. Back with a little more live till five. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Friday, January 18th, 319 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. Glad to have you with us today. This is our live local talk and variety program every Friday afternoon. We hope to entertain you a little bit, put a smile on your face, inform you things that are going on that are important, educate you, and edify you in your Christian walk. We're giving you a little A light take, usually, on things by design. It's a a Friday afternoon. We want you to enjoy your your car line delays, your your traffic stops, your still sitting at your desk trying to just grind out those last few minutes of the work week. We want you to be able to, you know, just end on a happy note. So we're hoping that this show does that for you and more. Now, that's not the only thing this radio station does, but that's what we do on Friday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. for the last 299 Fridays. And it's not just me. Chris Harper does a ton of work behind the scenes to make sure that 
this show is ready to be broadcast and then it can be recorded and saved for posterity's sake. Sebastian Basil Dua helps with the programming. Deborah Harper helps with the programming. You can stop by here Monday through Friday during business hours and poke your head in and see what happens here at the KHMG studios. It's really interesting. If you've never been to a radio station before, the invitation's always open. We're on the third floor located directly above the hub, the coffee shop here at the Harvest Ministries campus. There's a stairway and an elevator right behind the coffee shop. You can just come up to the third floor and check us out and introduce yourself. And if you come with chocolate chip cookies, that is the currency of KHMG, chocolate chip cookies. Fresh made if possible. But we'll literally accept anything from anyone at any time. So doesn't have to be just fresh made cookies. But I mean, if you're asking, fresh made chocolate chip cookies do really mean a lot. I mean, nothing says we care about you and we value your 299 individual episodes of blood, sweat, and tears research, paper cuts, um, you know, all those hours and hours of, you know, sacrificing your Friday evenings, going home exhausted afterwards and not being able to talk to your family till Sunday nights. Nothing says we recognize that as well as homemade chocolate chip cookies with semi-sweet morsels. But, you know, hey, we're not asking for anything like that. We're fine, actually. Most of us are kind of like watching our carbs anyway, so you don't have to do that. Hey, today I want to talk a little bit about Native American heritage, and we're even going to talk about the term Native American. Okay, so uh, hang in there. You might say, oh, no, you can't say Native American. There's a new term. Well, we're going to talk about that, and we'll, you know, this was inspired by one story that was given to me by PD, and I'll read that story a little later, maybe at the top of the second hour, but in the meantime, our American English language usage has been strongly influenced by Native American words more than we realize. And I came up with an article here. This is from kinternational.com, and it's 12 English words with Native American origins. I want to share these with you. Maybe can you think of a few words maybe off the top of your head that uh, are Native American that we use in a, in a regular, you know, you might use them in regular conversation. Or you wouldn't be shocked if someone used the word at least. For example, this is one I did not know. Caucus. Caucus. A meeting of supporters or members of, all, of a specific political party. Although it originated in the British colonies, it is used across the English-speaking world now. And it may originate from the Algonquin word for council, which is caucasu. Another possibility is Algonquin word kawasak, which means advisor, talker, or order. But they're pretty sure the word caucus did not come from the Caucasus Mountains, but it came from an Algonquin word. How about this one? Hickory. Like you've heard the, the rhyme, hickory, dickory, dock, the mouse ran up the quack. Well, thanks to the Algonquins. This old nursery rhyme, it wouldn't have been the same without hickory, which comes from the Pohatan word, pokohikara. Pokohikara was basically hickory nut milk, the next trendy nut milk at your local supermarket. Hmm. Possum or opossum, that word is a Native American word. The Pohatan word opossum, which translates into white dog-like animal, 
When Europeans colonized Australia, they borrowed the word to describe an unrelated but similar marsupial. Hmm. That word traveled. Woodchuck. Woodchuck. You know how much wood could a woodchuck chuck? If a woodchuck could chuck wood. Uh, let's see. The Narragansett. Narragansetts, who named this little animal the Aquachon, which later anglicized into woodchuck. Sounds as if it could have been part of the English language forever, but it wasn't. Uh, let's see here. Here's another one. Avocado. Well, the Aztecs um, named them avocados. Chili. Chili peppers originated in the New World. Did you know that um, uh, anywhere else in the world they, there was no such thing until the Colombian Exchange? Hard to imagine Indian food or Thai food without them. Chili comes from Nahatul word chili. Uh, shack, the word shack comes from Zakali, which means grass hut. Came from the uh, Arakwan language. Barbecue. Uh, of course, we all know what barbecue is, but the Arakan word barbacoa means framework of sticks. Canoe, that's a Taino word, kainawa for boat. Hammock, that's a Taino word, hamaka. Savannah, usually think of Africa when you think of the, the word savanna, but it's actually a Taino, Taino word, sabana. Um, let's see, cannibal. So cannibal uh, is actually a Native American word as well. You can see uh, the, the cannibal word in the Taino language, cannaba, person of the Caribbean. And of course, there's many other words that have come into our language, like moccasins. You know, that's just a direct, direct uh, borrow from Native American heritage. Let's see here. See, I'm part Native American. From what I've been told, I am part Native American. My grandmother told me that I was part Blackfoot Indian. That's what she called it. Her grandmother, I believe she said, was like half Blackfoot Indian. Well, when you hear someone say that when you're like eight years old, first off, you just believe it. I still need to do one of those DNA tests. We were talking, me and the guys were talking about this yesterday when we were working out together. We were talking about when those uh, DNA tests become available at the cash register where you can like buy it for very inexpensive and, and take it and you can find out like what your ethnic heritages are. Um, I will do it. it. The prices have come way down. I think they used to be like $300. Now they're down to about 100 When it becomes even more on the market than... I'll do it or I'll buy it as my parents like anniversary gift and have them do it. So, because I know where they're from, Kansas City. But my grandmother told me that her grandmother was Blackfoot Indian, as she would say it. So, Native American Indian facts, Blackfoot Indian facts. This is from the Native American Indian facts.com, Great Plains American Indian facts. The Blackfoot, who are also called Blackfeet, Indians were originally a nomadic American Indian tribe that migrated from the Great Lakes region of the northwestern United States. They lived in the northern Great Plains, specifically in Montana, Idaho, as well as Alberta, Canada. What started out as one nation evolved over time into four distinct independent tribes, each with their own government. Because of similar geographic regions, how, uh, uh, however, 
They live according to clothing style, weapons, and food. They're, they're all very similar as well. Currently, there is one Blackfoot reservation with a population of about 10,000 Indians in the U.S. and another 15,000 live in Canada. And here are some um, interesting facts about these Great Plains Indians. Blackfoot tribes are the Blackfoot Siksika, the Blood tribe, or Kainai, the Pikuni, or the Pigan, and then the North Pigan Pikuni. Blackfoot Indians were skilled huntsmen. They primarily hunted buffalo, like many other Plains Indians, and traveled in groups when hunting to cover as much territory as possible. In the 1800s, the white men began hunting buffalo as well and caused the population to decrease drastically. Over 600 Blackfoot Indians starved to death as a consequence of their dependence on the almost extinct buffalo. Each of the four tribes, although independent, share one official language called Algonquin. This language is also spoken by many other Indian tribes in the U.S., The European arrival in the 1800s meant big changes for the Blackfoot. On one hand, they brought horses with them, which were invaluable to Blackfeet because it enabled them to hunt buffalo much easier than on foot or by dog sled. But they also brought disease, which was devastating to the Blackfoot population. Europeans passed on smallpox and measles to the Indians that wiped out a significant percentage of population. They were very spiritual, believed in supernatural power. Everything has a spirit, whether alive or inanimate. And it can be good or evil. So they were very um, pantheistic, I guess you could say. Blackfoot's mostly most important spiritual ceremony is the Sundance. It's a yearly event that takes place during the summer. It was also known as the Medicine Lodge Ceremony. It centers around dancing, singing, praying, and fasting, with the buffalo being the highlight of the ceremony. Because they relied on buffalo so much, the ceremony was a way to honor the buffalo. They were known for mastering several forms of art, including embroidery, basket making, and beading. Not only did art decorate their clothing, but it could also be seen on their colorful teepees and different types of everyday tools. The type of jewelry that women wore most often was earrings. They were usually made of seashell or semi-precious metals. Elk tusks were a prized possession, and women wore them as decorations on their dresses. Men who achieved a certain level of status in the tribe would wear grizzly bear paws on a necklace. Clothing almost always included some part of the animal hide or skin. Temperatures in the northern region got cold, and the hide provided warmth. War clothing was elaborate. Porcupine quills were often woven into the clothing, as it was often decorative, decorated with beadwork and fringe. As a status symbol, the Blackfoot population was known for being difficult to get along with. They fought with those living in close proximity to them, including the uh, Assiniboine, the Cree, the Crows, the Flatheads, the Katunai, and the Sioux. Crowfoot, a famous Blackfoot Indian chief and warrior, was responsible for signing a peace treaty with the Canadian government. Of the many battles he fought, he felt the toughest battle was the one fought that he could not win against alcoholism among his people. And Kalani Kwepo is a well-known actor who's a Black Blackfoot heritage. He's been in a number of different movies. So, anyway, that's a little bit about who I believe are my ancestors, at least on one side. I looked up also the Montana.gov official state website, and they have a Governor's Office of Indian Affairs, uh, Blackfeet Nation. The reservation in Montana uh, for the Blackfeet tribe is approximately 15,560 enrolled tribal members, about 7,000 living on or near the reservation. 27% of the enrolled members are three-fourths or greater Indian blood. The Blackfeet Indians are commonly thought to have acquired their name because the characteristic black color of their moccasins painted 
with darkened and darkened with ashes. The Blackfeet Reservation is in northwestern Montana along the eastern slopes of the Rocky Mountains. It's a one and a half million acre uh, reservation bordered by the into the north by Canada and the west by the Glacier National Park. A manufacturing plant on the reservation produces pencils, pens, and markers. Several other businesses operate under the SIA Development, Inc. Major uses of the land are ranching and farming. The principal crops are wheat, barley, and hay. There are eight major lakes in the 175 miles of fishing streams. Uh, Tribal permits are required, and guides are available through Fish Wildlife. There's a Museum of Plains Indians and exhibits the creative achievements of North American artists and craftspeople. The permanent exhibit displays artifacts of the Northern Plains Indian tribes and two special galleries featuring changing presentations. The museum also houses a gift shop. There is the Blackfeet Community College. It's a two-year associate's degree offered in arts and sciences. Major expansions are underway. And there are cultural history tours, full and half-day tribal government They have a constitution and bylaws. The Blackfeet Tribal Business Council consists of nine members elected from four districts of the Blackfeet Reservation. These districts include Browning, Hart, Butte, Seville, and Old Agency districts. The Tribal Business Council serves four-year terms. Terms are staggered and elections are held every June. Of every even number year, the next general election will be uh, actually just happened not too long ago. And so it kind of goes on and uh, talks about some of these Uh, Fast facts. The Blackfeet Reservation, headquartered in Browning, is the third largest reservation in Montana, encompassing about 1.5 million acres, home to 56% of the enrolled tribal members and the largest Indian population in Montana. Three branches of the Blackfeet peoples in the North Blackfeet, the Blood and Pigeon, or Pecuni. The tribes call themselves the Nisitapi. Oh, Nisitapi. Ni it's tapi, the real people. That's what that means. The reservation's economy is primarily agricultural based. The principal crops: wheat, barley, and hay. So very interesting, and um, it's particularly if you if if you've ever met me before. Some of you have only heard me on the radio, but I am uh, I have no significant ethnic heritage, so I don't know any second language. Um, I did not inherit recipes from my grandparents that are ethnic foods. I don't have any old world stories. Um, We are not in any way connected to any singular ethnic group, and we can't trace our heritage. My last name, Baldwin, is such a common name. Uh, It is all over Europe, particularly the UK. And so... uh, trying to look for ethnic uh, connection, then you go to my mom's side. Her maiden name was Rose, also a very common name. Williams was my dad's mother's maiden name, and Grider was my mom's mother's maiden name. So even more. And then I think we have Jones and Smith in there somewhere. So really hard to trace our ethnic heritage. That's why I was talking about doing one of those DNA tests eventually. But so when my grandmother told me that we're part Blackfeet Indian, I thought, wow, this is really interesting. So I've read a little bit on it. And we're going to talk about Native American heritage things today on the show. And it's all because of a story I read that was submitted by one of our listeners. So we'll be talking about that in a little bit. I want to take a little break. And when we come back, 
more live till five, including what's in my coffee, one of my favorite segments, this day in history, a quiz with Sebastian Basildua, and the news with Chris Harper, as well as talking about our topic of the day. So stick around. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. It is Friday, January 18th, 3.37 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios, episode 299. Follow us on Facebook, Harvest Family Radio Guam. Go online to our website, khmg.org. We'd love to have you use that as a great resource. Back with more Live Till 5 after this short break. With a little more live till 5 Friday afternoon, January 18th, 3.41 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. Glad to have you with us. I was just looking at a list of our programming schedule, the the Harvest Family Radio program schedule. You can download this off our website. I wanted to go through some of the programs we offer here on KHMG. Maybe you're not aware. Maybe you only listen to the radio at the exact same time every day. And you're not aware of all the great programs that we offer here. So let me just give you a quick rundown. I won't go through all the times because you won't remember all that. But I'd encourage you to go to khmg.org, khmg.org, and look at the program schedule for yourself. Download it, print it up. Here are a couple things you need to know. First off, SRN News, Salem Radio Network News, airs at the top of every hour. The top of the hour is something we say in the biz which just means, you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, at the top of the, if you had a clock and the hands both go to the top, yeah, top of the hour, SRN News. The weather airs from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. right after the news. You'll see the, you'll hear the, the smooth pipes belting out the weather, usually by Sebastian Basildu. The verse of the week is at the bottom of each hour, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and just after the news at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. as well. So the verse of the week at the bottom of each hour, 7 a.m., so it'd be 7.30, 8.30, 9.30, and you can also hear it just after the news at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m., so we double it up there, weekdays and on the weekends. Here are some of the wonderful programs that we have here at Harvest Family Radio that you can If you just keep your radio dial on 88.1 FM, you'll get to listen to these programs and more. Daily Bible Reading, Unshackled, uh, AlwaysAbounding.audio, Free Indeed, Our Daily Bread, Heart of Harvest, Living Redemptively, Into His Likeness, Guidelines, Creation Moments, Fisherman's Five-Minute Look at the Book, Dr. Carson Fremont, Challenge of the Day, Morning and Evening, Our Daily Bread, Harvest Highlights, I already said that, A Word with You, My Money Life, Moments for Missions, uh, Wisdom for the Heart, Lamplighter Moments, Building Great Leaders, Legal Alert, The Daily Platform, Take Note, uh, let's see here, what else, um, Stories of Great Christians, The Christian Working Woman, 
Harvest Time, Creation Moments. Let's see here. And that's that's about it for the weekdays. Let's see if there's anything that I can also share that comes up on the weekends. It might be a little different. Ranger Bill, 7.30 a.m. Saturday mornings. Very entertaining, by the way. If you have never listened to radio drama and you want to just take a little break, a little cleanse from uh, being on YouTube all the time and Netflix, listen to some radio drama and start with the 7.30 a.m. Ranger Bill. And then 8.15 a.m. on Saturday mornings, Patch the Pirate. And then 8.30 a.m. Lamplighter Theater. Basically from about 7.30, just start at 6.45. You know, get up early Saturday morning, listen to your daily devotional, Our Daily Bread. Then listen to some beautiful Christian music. Followed by Ranger Bill at 7.30 a.m., Patch the Pirate at 8.15, and 8.30 a.m. Lamplighter Theater. All really worth it. Harvest Time at 9.05 a.m. Israel in the News, Science, Scripture, and Salvation. The rebroadcast of Lie Till 5, of course. Uh, let's see. The Harvest Baptist Church service is on. The previous week's service is rebroadcast at 9.05 p.m. on Saturday nights the following week. Wisdom for the Heart Weekend edition. Bob Shelton on Sundays. Uh, and uh, that's about it. There's also some 60-second programs that air periodically throughout the day. Every day. Answers in Genesis, Back to Genesis, Life Issues, Lifeline Productions, Living Well, Parents Minute, Proverbs 31, Seeking Him, Starting Over Financially, Uncommon Moments, and Voice of the Martyrs. And you'll hear those air, those little 60-second uh, broadcasts, even during our show here, during Live Till 5. Matter of fact, I think we're going to go ahead and check out a couple of those little segments right now. I'll be back in just a minute. After this short break and a few segments of which I just mentioned, I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. It's Friday, January 18th, 3.46 p.m. here at KHMG. Back in just a moment. Back with a little more Live Till 5. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Episode 299 on this Friday, January 18th, 3.50 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. Before we hit the top of the hour, now, in the second hour, you have to come back. Just don't go anywhere. Just leave the radio on 88.1. Listen to the news, the weather. Listen to the show for the whole second hour. Because in the second hour, we're going to talk about more Native American heritage things. We also have had these drinks delivered to us by the hub and we're going to talk about what's in my coffee and we're going to talk about the news and it'd just be really great but as we wrap up this first hour i just want to talk a little bit about two articles i read one was in the christian post one was in christianity today and they're citing some research that was recently done this one from the christian post the title says teen churchgoers often stop attending as young adults lifeway study finds two-thirds of american christian teenagers who regularly attend worship as protestant congregation for at least a year quit going for at least a year when they become young adults according to lifeway research released tuesday 66 percent of young adults who attended protestant churches regularly for at least a year as a teenager dropped out for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22 the major reason respondents gave was 
quote-unquote, moving to college, 34%. Church members seeming judgmental and hypocritical, 32%. No longer feeling connected to the people in church, 29%. Disagreement with their church's stance on political or social issues, 25%. Or employment obligations, 24%. The report drew from data collected from a survey done in September to October of last year, 2002 respondents. 2017 numbers were a slight improvement compared to 2007 when 70% of respondents reported leaving for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22. And then it kind of goes on, talks about different things in here. Regarding the 25% of respondents who reported leaving over the church's view on social and political issues, uh, one commentator said that this should uh, not lead to a church uh, abdicating its role to be the voice of righteousness within culture. Amen to that. So, and they do, he, the, one of the guys who is uh, commenting on this article mentions how if a Christian young adult sits for 30 to 40 hours a week in secular classrooms, that could have a serious impact, you know, when they go off to college, particularly secular colleges, and their faith is being tested, and their whole value system and philosophy of life is being tested, and sometimes criticized, and even sometimes being persecuted for their beliefs, they... um that could really affect their view on, you know, whether or not they'll keep a fidelity towards church attendance or not. So it's very interesting. In a separate uh, article that I read in Christianity Today, and this is from Legionnaire Ministries and Lifeway Research, this is a go-figure section of this new Christianity Today issue. This is from the Christianity Today, January, February 2019 among 34 theological questions about the Trinity and sin, Ligonier Ministries asked Americans a more practical question about worship. About 4 in 10 believe, quote-unquote, effective churches must offer, quote-unquote, entertaining worship. Though only 1 in 10 believe this strongly. Interestingly, more weekly attenders agree strongly, 14%, that those who attend only on holidays, uh, rarely or never, 8%. This is how groups responded. So, must churches provide entertaining worship services if they want to be effective? This is a survey by Le- survey by Legionnaire Ministries. Um, frequent attendees of evangelical churches going at least once a month or more. Um, the strongly agree was only nine percent. Twenty five percent said someone agree. Thirty nine percent said strongly disagree. So frequent attendees of evangelical churches. strongly disagree that the church must provide entertainment, okay? So only 39% strongly disagree that the church has to be entertaining. In Catholic churches, only 24% strongly disagree. 18% agree that the church services should be entertaining. Infrequent attenders, 29% strongly disagree. Uh, White attendees of evangelical churches, 36% disagree. They say you should not have to have an entertaining service. Millennial attendees, 37%, that's 18-year-old to 34-year-old, 37% strongly disagree. 11%, though, of millennial attendees of evangelical churches say a church must provide an entertaining worship service. And then female attendees of evangelical churches, 40% strongly disagree that the service has to be entertaining. 9%, though, say it should be, strongly agree. And 23% say somewhat disagree. So I think the biggest disparity there would be infrequent attendees. About 40% is split right down the middle, 
say it should be, and about 40% say probably shouldn't be. This is one other interesting one, then I'm going to wrap up this hour here. According to LifeWay Research, among Protestants with evangelical beliefs who attend church monthly or more, 29% agree that the Bible bans alcohol. 29%. 74% agree Christians drinking alcohol can cause other believers to stumble. But 33% say they do drink alcohol. So 29% agree the Bible bans alcohol. 33% say they drink alcohol. But 74% agree Christians drinking alcohol can cause other believers to stumble. And that's according among Protestants with evangelical beliefs who attend church monthly or more from a LifeWay research study. Very interesting. Some of these surveys that come out. And um, I don't have time to draw a lot of conclusions from that. But LifeWay does a lot of research and they do it... um, I believe the way they do it is is reliable. So I like when I see new studies come out, I like sharing that with you. Now, we're coming up to the end of the hour here in just a moment, but I do want to say, if you go to khmg.org, not only can you download the podcast of this show, but there are many other great shows produced right here at Harvest Family Radio. Building Great Leaders with Dr. Les Olala, Harvest Echoes, those are messages that have been preached here in the past from, from Harvest Harvest Time, those are interviews with people from Harvest. Uh, Harvest, uh, Heart of Harvest, which are sermons primarily preached from uh, the pulpit here, most of them by Pastor Marty Heron. Living Redemptively with Dr. Douglas McLaughlin. We have some Dr. Carson Fremont messages on there. And a number of other things. Uh, Take Note with Chris Harper and many other things that you can check out. And we have a library, an extensive library of programs that you can download and listen to at your convenience. And you can look them up in our library by topic, by Bible passage, or even by uh, a speaker. So if you know there's a special speaker that you've heard speak here at Harvest or someone you hear maybe in another program, you can look up that speaker in our library and see if you can download some of their messages and teaching. And uh, these are all intended just to be good resources for you. We want to help you grow. We want to build you up in your Christian walk. And one great way is to keep getting God's Word poured into your life. And we encourage you not just listen to one speaker, but uh, listen to a, a variety that you find on our website. Sometimes, I remember when I was a younger Christian adult, I always wondered, how do I know if what I'm listening to is trustworthy? And I think now, years later... There are some sources that might have some good things, but might not always be trustworthy. You need someone to to have kind of gone ahead of you a little bit and said, okay, there's a couple main things we're going to check through before we just put this out there. We want to make sure this is safe for listening. And so I can guarantee you that Harvest Family Radio takes a lot of time to make sure that they only have programs that are going to be biblically accurate, theologically reliable and sound, and are going to build you up in your Christian walk and edify you as a Christian. So I encourage you, this is is the main reason we're here, is glorifying God by broadcasting programs and beautiful Christian music 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the last 23 plus years. And we pray we get to keep doing this for a long time to come. Now I'm going to take a break. For the top of the hour, SRN News, you're listening to KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam, 
episode 299 on this Friday, January 18th. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Stick around for SRN News and a second hour of Live Till 5. the second hour of Live Till 5, episode 299 on this Friday, January 18th, 4.04 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries. From the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio, KHMG 88.1 FM, I'm Jared Baldwin, your host, episode 299, Friday, January 18th, 4.05 p.m. if you're listening to the live broadcast. If you ever missed part of the show, tune in Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. when we rebroadcast the show in its entirety, all two hours of it, on the radio, 88.1 FM, or online, khmg.org. We do that so you can catch the parts of the show that you might have missed as you're driving around on Friday afternoon, picking up the kids from sports practice, taking them to violin lessons, running by the store, getting your groceries, getting ready for the weekend. Some of you are still just trying to grind out those last few minutes before you can punch the clock and go home. Others of you are dragging yourself into the swing shift on Friday night. I'm so sorry. So Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m., catch us on the rebound, on your way home from church, on your way home from the family gathering, on your way home from watch care groups this week if you're from Harvest Baptist Church. Yes, I'm talking to you right now. Glad to have you with us. Wanted to mention two stories it made me think they're kind of connected. Fits into the stranger than fiction because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction. This is a segment we've been doing, producing ever since the very first episode, episode 001, and now we're on episode 299. Fox News, to, uh, it was published December 29th, but it popped up on my list of stories today. That's one big baby. Texas mom gives birth to a 14-pound, 13-ounce son. The proud Texas mother said this. We did not expect 14 pounds. Nobody did. Actually, I think she sounded like this. We did not expect 14 pounds. We, nobody did. I think that's, I'm just guessing. I did not hear the interview. But I think she might have sounded like that. At 14 pounds, 13 ounces, the parents of Allie James Medlock were told their son was the heaviest baby ever born at the Texas Health Arlington Memorial Hospital near Dallas. Spokesperson for the Texas Health Resources confirmed to USA Today that, to their knowledge, Allie is the largest baby born in the hospital. He was delivered back in December the 12th via C-section. The doctor who delivered him said Allie was the heaviest baby he's brought into the world in more than 30 years of his career. Jennifer Medlock, Allie's mother, told Laredo KVTV that she expected her child to weigh about 10 pounds, similar to Allie's big sister, Annabelle, 
who arrived at 9 pounds 10 ounces, also delivered by C-section. Then she said, we did not expect 14 pounds. Nobody did. Oh, that was re-quoting the same thing, but... Baby Ali was admitted to the hospital neonatal intensive care unit because of low blood sugar. Platelets, that his mother said, were due to his size. He has since recovered and was released. It doesn't matter how big he is, the new mom said. I am so blessed. And that is the right attitude. I don't know if babies that are born that big stay proportionately that big. Like, he's 25% bigger more like almost 50% bigger than some babies. Will he always be 50% bigger than than other kids? So when his friends are three foot tall, will he be six foot tall? Okay. I also saw in the Christian Post living section from this week, Wednesday, January 26th, new pro-life clothing brand offers alternative to companies that support Planned Parenthood. A new clothing line was launched this month that aims to be social, conservative, pro-family, pro-life alternative to major brands that support abortion, homosexuality, and left-leaning causes. The Philadelphia-based COL1972, short for Culture of Life 1972, was launched earlier this month by conservative homeschool mother and children's book author Carla uh, uh, Dadasi and her three daughters just in time for the 2019 March for Life in Washington DC. Article goes on to say currently selling items like sweatshirts, t-shirts, knit hats, baseball caps, leggings, travel bags. The startup brand aims to expand over time to offer deep lines of men and women's clothing, as well as clothing for babies and accessories for dogs. The new brown vow- new brand vows to give 10% of its proceeds to organizations that work to protect, quote unquote, the culture of life. Uh, Dadasi told the Christian Post. Quote, there's a fashion war going on. Families like mine who are conservative feel like we have been marginalized and there's no place for us in the fashion world because we have not been able to support with our purchasing power brands that uh, that are, uh, we've not been able to support with our purchasing power brands that are anti-American. Tedesi, who is also a conservative columnist and a radio host, explained that her family is big into boycotting companies and corporations that have violated the moral principles of her family. So, she has a, a lot of other things to say about that, but I just thought it was uh, it was interesting. She calls it guilt-free shopping, having a clothing line that was pro-life and pro-family values, and they don't support anything with their funds, like Planned Parenthood, for example. So very interesting. It'll be very interesting to see if that takes off, if that becomes a thing or not. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, we're going to play a little What's in My Coffee? We're also going to have a quiz with Sebastian Basildua and more about Native American heritage. So stick around. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. It is 4.10 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. More live till 5 after this short break. We're back with a little more Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Episode 299 on this Friday, January 18th, 2019. Just in case you're listening one century in the future and you want to know what year was this produced, it's January 18th, 2019. And 
If it's 100 years in the future, most likely I'm not going to be around. But I hope you're entertained by this. Uh, so today's topic for me is the Native American heritage. And I already talked about the little bit of Native American ethnic heritage that I have in my family. Now, there's, it's not uh, proven scientifically yet. I'm waiting to prove that. But the article that got me thinking about this was provided by one of our regular listeners, PD. So I printed it up. Thank you, thank you, PD. I appreciate that. I'm going to turn on these guys' mics if they want to comment on this at all. There you go. Um, this was about a 90 fear, nine, nine, rewind. This is about a 90 fear. Oh, boy, I did it. 94? 94 year old man. 94 year old man who passed away, which. That's incredible, living to 94. But this is a Navajo code talker, Alfred K. Newman. Uh, Alfred K. Newman, one of the last surviving Navajo code talkers, died at the age of 94 on Sunday in New Mexico. Newman, who used his native language to outsmart the Japanese in World War II by helping create an uncrackable code, died at a nursing home in Bloomfield, New Mexico. Quote, unquote, Navajo code talker, Alfred, Alfred Newman, was a hero, and he stood amongst giants. We will forever be grateful for his contributions and bravery, as well as that of each and every one of the Navajo code talkers. They are a national treasure, said tribal president Russell Begay. Uh, he told the Arizona Republic, Newman was among hundreds of Navajos who served in the Marine Corps using a code based on their native language to outsmart the Japanese in World War II. And it goes on and says, this was really interesting. This is why PD passed it on to me. Um, she's not necessarily a war buff, but she knows a lot about Guam and the islands. And she saw this. During World War II, Newman served from 1943 to 1945. And I'm having a hard time. Yeah, fours are not your friend today. 1943 to 1945 in the 1st Battalion, 21st Marine Regiment, and 3rd Marine Division, and saw duty in Bougainville Island, Guam, Iwo Jima, Kwajalein Atoll, Inatawak, New Georgia, and New Caledonia. The Marines shared the news of his passing Tuesday, writing on Twitter, quote, Navajo code talker Alfred K. Newman passed away at 94 years old this past Sunday. Newman served in the 1st Battalion, 21st Marine Regiment, 3rd Marine Division during World War II, including Iwo Jima, Guam, and other island campaigns. Semper Fi, Marine. And there's a lot of neat... Um, I don't usually read all the comments below an online news article because a lot of times they get a little... You know, they go all over the place. But his granddaughter put a comment on the... Fox News article, and it was really sweet how she thanked God for being for her grandfather and things like that. So it's really good. I want to just give you a few fast facts here uh, about Navajo code talkers because some people might not even realize Navajo is a uh, Native American people's nation, really, uh, within the United States that are uh, had one of the most difficult languages, and um, they were recruited. Uh, to the United States Marine Corps during World War II to help. Here are a few facts. 1942, the U.S. Armed Forces were facing a major problem. Military communications were made available to the enemy like sand sifting through a sieve, one war analysis, one war analyst commented. World War II had become a literal war of words. Many of the Japanese code breakers had been educated in the U.S. and understood American colloquialisms, slang, and profanity, leaving the U.S. in desperate need 
of a code the Japanese couldn't break. And uh, this is from the Countable.us website here. Philip Johnson, World War I veteran who'd grown up on a Navajo reservation, suggested the U.S. Marine Corps use the Navajo language. And that was a good solution. Navajo, like most Native American languages, has no alphabet. And there were no written materials for the enemy to use to try and work out what was being said. As Naval History and Heritage Command explained, one estimate indicates that less than 30 non-Navajos, none of them Japanese, could understand the language at the outbreak of World War II. The Marines recruited 29 Navajos for a pilot program, and Johnston staged tests under simulated combat conditions for the recruits. Machine, machines required 30 minutes to encode, transmit, and decode a three-line English message. The Navajo recruits required 20 seconds. Working with the Marines, Navajo code talkers used their language to develop a dictionary of words for certain military terminology. And uh, several of these uh, translated uh, coinages became military slang. So uh, basically the Navajo uh, men that were in the Marine Corps had some words that were slang. Like, for example, uh, instead of saying running shoes... They call them go-fasters, and people still today in the military call shoes go-fasters, and that was something that they picked up actually from these Native Native American men. Also, they called uh, pens ink sticks, and so all of the military started calling pens ink sticks around that time. By the war's end, nearly 400 Navajos participated in the Code Talker program. They were joined by Native Americans from other tribes, including the Hopi, which we actually have uh, one of our students as part of Hopi here, um, the Meskowakis and the Comanches. Navajo Code Talker program wasn't fully declassified until 1968. Remains the only oral military code that has never been broken. And that is according to the Countable.us article in Fact Tuesday about Navajo Code Talkers. So, Alfred Newman passed away, 94 years old. Navajo Code Talker, one of the last ones to pass on. And uh, I salute him. And I want to talk a little bit more about Native American heritage. We're going to take a short break when we come back. This day in history, what's in my coffee, and some more Native American heritage discussion. So stick around. More Live Till 5 after this short break. Parents, we need to have some guts. From Keys for Kids Ministries, here's Greg Yoder with a Keys for Kids Parent Minute. One of the saddest parenting stories in the Bible is that of the priest Eli. His two sons were off the chart, greedy and immoral. All Eli did was talk to him. So God judged Eli and his family for not taking action. As a former journalist, I saw a lot of court cases where those on trial came from terrible backgrounds, where parents didn't take discipline seriously. Now their adult kids were in trouble. Remember, it's in a child's job description to oppose our authority sometimes. And some kids do this a lot more than others. But God's calling on our lives as parents is to be courageous, taking a stand and lovingly insist on obedience. God will reward us for it, and our kids too. Sign up for the daily Parent Minute email at parentminute.org. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, geologist with the Institute for Creation Research. 
Dr. Morris, what happens to a fossil when it's buried? Chris, a buried fossil quickly begins to decompose. It's relentlessly attacked by bacteria eating away at the organic material. Recently, however, several fossils have been discovered with the original organic material intact. Here's a couple examples. Soft dinosaur tissue was found, supposedly over 65 million years old. Elsewhere, clam fossils were found with the organic muscles holding the two shells together, supposedly 200 million years old. Now, evolutionists are committed to the millions of years idea, so they overlook this obvious evidence for rapid recent burial. Chris, it looks like a rapid burial event happened not very long ago. I think that's the great flood of Noah's day that's mentioned back in Genesis. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. This is KHMG 88.1 FM Harvest Family Radio. We believe the family of God has room for many more. That's why we preach and sing good news of a risen Christ 24 hours a day on KHMG. And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. It's Friday, January 18th, 424 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. Joining studio from my left to my right, Lawrence Nagengast. How's it going, Lawrence? Great. It's Friday afternoon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian, you having a good day? I'm having a great day. And, uh, whoa, very musical. There's a <laughs> lilt in your voice there. And uh, Chris, how's your day going? It's going well so far. All right, great. Yeah. And uh, my day's going great, so this is like a grand slam uh, afternoon. Hopefully our listeners are also having a great day. Three-day weekend for people involved in the education or federal government because uh, Martin Luther King Jr. observed day is uh, Monday, I believe. So I think we get the day off. So there you go. Uh, let's see here. We well, Some of us get more of the day off than others, but Making up for it this weekend because we got a full day tomorrow with men's prayer breakfast, discipleship seminar, et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, we have been provided some delectable treats from the hub. Now, last week, I might have come across as a little opinionated or harsh about the coffee seltzer drink. It was like a vanilla LaCroix with a double shot of espresso in it, and it tasted like a mistake. Uh, with a with a double shot of regret in it, but I don't want to be as harsh about it this week because you know what? There's probably some person out there that just loves it. People that have burned their taste buds off by smoking cigars their whole life, they probably would like it. Hipsters, 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 uh, hipsters that don't care what anyone thinks yeah. except for they really care about well, no. what everyone thinks. Yeah, they're pretending not to care what everyone thinks that's because right. that's the coolest way to act, yeah. which all their friends act that's that right. Way. Do yeah. you like that coffee seltzer? Whatever, man. Whatever, man. <laughs> but, of course, they don't really like it. They just want to act like they do like it, but they don't care if you like it or not. It's a it's a unique thing. But they do. But yeah. they do. But they don't want you to think that they care that you do notice. So, anyway, 
I just don't want to be as harsh about that terrible drink this week as I was last week. Last week, I just really slammed it for its awful taste and the yeah, weird we texture and the smell. Start to finish, I think it was somewhere around the 27-minute mark. Yes, it was of, It was kind of the anti-pinecone rant. Yeah, it really honestly. was. It really it was. It was Braunschweiger. Oh, Oh, was was it's the it, you know how a, a show can have highlights that would be the low lights yep. the low lights but yep. but first off we have some good friends down there that are baristas that they knew it was an experiment and they knew that it was probably uh, one of those uh, culinary disasters it was like the Titanic striking the iceberg <laughs> and my my taste buds were on there and they all went down with the ship wow. but. This week we're not going to talk it's about vivid. it. We're moving on. Just dead. We've moved on. <laughs> Desperately tried to get his it's, taste buds into the lifeboat. That's right. And and you know what? They were only happen. accepting women and children taste buds yeah. on the one side of the ship, and my taste buds went down. Anyway, yeah. hey, this segment's brought to us by the wonderful people down at the Hub, Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore, the best little coffee shop on Guam, offering an endless variety of coffees and teas and baked goods. Oh, it's just so good. Every possible way, except for the coffee seltzer, which they don't sell. That's on the secret menu anyway. Yeah. You have to be a hipster from the East Coast to even order that. And I'm not, and I go to the Hub every day, and I like everything else that they make. I really do. Today I had a nice, a delightful cup of Peru. Peru I had that too. is my favorite roast that they have down there. It's smooth. I like the Brazil. Is probably Brazil my is my close second. So now it's, it's not as like... Um, sweet as a Kona or a Jamaican Blue Mountain, but they're pretty close. I mean, the Brazil and the Peru are very good. Costa Rica is in third for me. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is not bad, but those are my three favorites in that yeah. order. Agreed. Now, today they provide us with two hot drinks, two cold drinks. Chris and I have hot drinks. Sebastian and Lawrence have cold drinks. Why don't we start with Lawrence here? Why don't you describe yours? Sure. It's uh, it's pink. It has a tea bag floating around in it, so I'm going to assume that that's what it is. Otherwise, they're just trying to trick us really, really bad. So and getting tea into whatever else yeah, they made. Yeah. <laughs> that would be unfortunate. What a mess. So uh, it's pretty much just an iced tea, but it's got some flavor to it. Uh, like I said, it's pink, so it, it's a bit herbal slash fruity. So I honestly can't really place the taste because I think it's such a mix. It's kind of like a weak fruit punch. The sugar-free, I think if it had the sugar in it, like if they were to put sugar syrup in it, it would taste just <clears> like fruit punch. What what kind of plant life do you think is in that tea bag? Um, you know, I think it's got to be a little bit of fruit in it, but also a little bit of herb. So, boy, it's almost it's not a green. Well, you know what it could be? It could be green tea tropical with a pump of sugar free strawberry. Hmm. Interesting. I'm gonna say that's my answer. I think it's green tea okay. tropical with a pump of sugar free strawberry in it. Okay. I believe all these drinks are sugar free today. Yeah. I believe. You know, I haven't tasted well, them all, but I'm is. guessing. I'm guessing. Sebastian, yours is about half gone. Yes. Um, I've, I've been drinking lots of tea lately, and I do have somewhat of an idea of what kind of tea this is. It's in also in a clear uh, cup, iced tea, tea bag in there. You should be an expert. I, I should be. So um, I, I'm going to go with a, a chamomile tea. I think this is a chamomile tea okay. with, uh, I mean, it's orange. You know, you should hang oh. out with uh, Pastor Gary and his wife, Faith, because oh. they're big-time tea drinkers from oh. way back. Really? They don't drink coffee. So we have now, yeah. we have a, a one of those um, 
hot pots in there that makes hot water all day long. And I think, and it's not just them. They didn't just drink it. But because we put tea back there, we went through like 50 tea bags in the last three days. Yeah. Back there, everybody so people likes out, tea. Everybody find there. out their closet tea drinker. Yes, exactly. My wife and I, we we are pretty consistently. We have tea at night, mm-hmm. probably four out of the seven days a yep. week. Yep. Do you make it with a hot? You have like a hot pot. Well, that yeah. Uh, two years ago, you? I bought one of those Cuisinart, and it's got seven different or uh, six different temperatures. It'll really? keep the water at. What? So you hit the button and then press start, and it'll raise it to that temperature, and then keep it there for about an hour. Wow. So it's all the way up to boiling, and then it's got the type of tea. Listed under the temperature. Really? So herbal, green is at 175 degrees, black what? is boiling, um, oolong is about 190. So you hit based on what tea you're making, and then it holds it there for an hour, mm. and then um, and then you just use it when you're ready. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm in a really, well, not in a good mood, what puts me in a good mood is if I've able, been able to acquire a little box of Stroop waffles from Ross. Oh yes, with the honey like what they in give it. you on the uh, on the United flights. Exactly what started yes. me on these things. I got one of those and I was like, "This is the best thing ever." They have a nice flex to them. They do, and then you drop it on top of your cup of tea for a good solid twenty five seconds. Oh, it warms and melts the honey and. That, that's, that, that's, I, I will do if that. You want to know what I'm, I'm doing at ten o'clock p.m. Yep. 10 o'clock p.m. Having a Stroop on any waffle given tea. A Stroop waffle and, 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 and tea. Wow. Hey. Wow. You know what? I'm not as, uh, you've yeah. Got, you've got, um, you've got uh, refined tastes. Yeah. It's, you know, once you get to a point in life where you're just kind of like, I'm, I'm done figuring out what I yep. like. I know what yeah. it is. And The baby's put to bed. You've disinfected your hands. And now you <laughs> get set. a Stroop waffle out. Yeah. yeah. Stroop waffle, yeah. a couple of them, and, 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 and some tea. Nice. It's delicious. Nice. Okay, Chris, what about your drink there? Well, I should preface this by saying I don't I don't prefer milk in my coffee. Okay. Now mm. I know people love milk in their coffee, but it, when I'm drinking milk, I drink milk. When I drink when I'm drinking <laughs> coffee, I drink. Hey, you're coffee. a simple man. Do you like half and half? No, I don't. So like that eating, falls in the milk no, category for you. You don't mind it being like frothed wow. into a drink, non, like dairy a, creamer of some sort. Um, you know, something wow. like that. But yeah, half and half is amazing to me. But yeah, so I drank this, and and what it tastes like to me is. Coffee with milk in it. Okay, it's a latte. I don't think there's anything else going on there. Which I think is the way most of our grandparents probably drank their coffee. Yep, yeah. in one of those cups, and it would spill over onto the saucer, and they drink it out of the saucer. <laughs> I wish Grandma was here to yep. take this. She'd from down me. it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, and it's, uh, it's a marked improvement from last week. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I uh, could drink yeah. this if I needed yeah. to. Yeah. Our eyes aren't watering. Right. You wouldn't order it. But yeah. we're not going to talk about it. that monstrosity from last week. Sorry. Um, the uh, a. I believe I'm drinking just a plain Americano because I've had um, – they measure how much Americano I've had in the gallons. Yeah. So let's see here. Uh, drink number one. Ooh, it's more than Americano. It's a coffee and Americano combined. It's in a red eye. Yeah, I could smell it. That's why you didn't want to drink it because you're going to be up I having your Stroop waffle at 3 in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> because – when when coffee has that like there's more than just a normal yes. shot going yep. on it yep. has that little it's not burnt it's just over like aggressive yes. smelling yes. right I smelled that with it was sitting over here and I said this is this is this is strong yes <laughs> it is very strong I feel my heart racing right yeah. now yeah I, had, I could I didn't know which one it was but I could smell it when when it they just, brought it when in they brought it yes in, that's yeah. right yeah, yeah. so yeah. a red eye I believe is is an espresso. Inside In of coffee. a coffee, yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah so exactly it actually tastes is. like when uh, Americano starts to cool down, it starts to taste more like this. That's mm-hmm. why I thought maybe it was just uh, 
And um, the other hot drink, Chris, is a Cafe Breva, which I believe it's Lawrence a, likes that. The difference, it's my favorite drink. It's probably my favorite drink. It's half and half that's been frothed. Hmm. So a latte is milk, 2% milk. A Breve is half and half. Which and they it has don't to have do with the, the proportion too, right? Like how much, uh, like if you have a third of it or a half of it, or if it's more froth and just a little bit of milk. Right. That's the cappuccino latte breva. Yeah, right. well, I, mark me down. Not as, your favorite. Is not like well, see, I, it, it, if it has either. too much, it can get overwhelming in, in the taste of the milk. But if they put right. the right amount of frothed half and half in there, that's one of the best drinks I think mm. you can get in the coffee shop, personally. Wow. Sebastian is drinking an iced organic African nectar tea. What? Oh, African, African nectar. nectar. African nectar. I've never had right. that one. You've I've been taken even... to another culinary continent. <laughs> and Lawrence is drinking the wild berry hibiscus. Mm. So you got the berry. It's the hibiscus. I and would the never, hibiscus. It throws you have, off. I wouldn't have grabbed that. That's right. That's Very right. Quality. So next time you're walking by the, the hibiscus bush, pick a flower off, chew on yep. it a little bit, and kind of get a feel for- Or maybe I'll just drop it in some hot water that's brewing in the back of the office. At 175 degrees, apparently, <laughs> if you have a machine that'll well, tell you. Well, if you have it that boils, you don't want to boil all of it because right. it'll burn the tea. Right, yes. So black tea, it's supposed to be boiling, but everything else should be under, yep. under boiling temperature. Yep. Okay. Wow. When I say oolong, you say yes, please. Okay. Um, have you ever heard that before? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just I'll, gave I'll you tell a you laugh. Anyway, anyway. Well, um, <laughs> Sebastian has worked feverishly. Uh, uh, literally, he was sweating. His, his pulse was racing. Um, he was sleepless. And he worked on this quiz. And I think it's time for us to play Sebastian's quiz. Yes, it's quiz time. And uh, it's a Native American quiz. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Sebastian, you're part Native American, right? I am part Native. What part? Sioux Indian or Sioux. What okay. Part? Sioux. Which part <laughs> of my, my, yeah. my arm right is arm. your big Sioux. toe? My, my, Sioux. My arm, my Sioux arm Indian. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Sioux. Sioux Indian. Um, That's one of the largest uh, Native American nations, I believe. I think Cherokee's the largest. And one of the coolest. Oh, apparently. All right. Okay. Is that part of the quiz? <laughs> Just because it, it's spelled totally different. It has... All sorts of vowels yeah. and an X. Uh, all right. Well, all sorts, all sorts of vowels. <laughs> Four letters and half of them are vowels. Yeah. yeah, come on. It's true. All right. We'll start with Chris, Jared, then Lawrence. All right. First question. Pocahontas belonged to which of the following tribes? Wow. Cherokee. Powhatan. 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 I only know Sue, all right? It's Crow and <laughs> Mojave. Which one? Can you say the third one? Uh, Crow. Or is it Crow? No, it's Crow. No, okay. <laughs> uh, no. Cherokee, Powhatan, Crow, or Mojave? A Powhatan. Powhatan. A Powhatan? Yeah. Yeah, it's Powhatan. Oh, you guys are all very certain. I didn't even know that one. Yeah, it yeah. is Pocahontas. Uh, it is Powhatan. It is Pocahontas. It's the only one you couldn't. <laughs> it's the only one you couldn't pronounce. So that was kind of a giveaway. But no, uh, the others what? you know are reg- regional. Yeah. you know the yes. Cherokees came from down south. Mojave Mojave's was way in out New west. Mexico. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Good job. Okay. Which and of the Crow was uh, North Plains. Oh yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Which of the following is associated with the Trail of Tears? Osat. Osage, it's like Osage. Oh, I, Osage. Osage. That's Missouri, where I'm from. Osage, yeah. Osage. Blackfoot. That's an easy one. That's Cherokee. Me. Did you hear my segment on Blackfeet? That's me. Oh, I think we are enemies. So if you've never <laughs> seen a Blackfoot 
you still haven't seen one with me. I'm very small percentage, and I haven't even confirmed it scientifically, but I want to be. Black. Uh, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> and if you believe something long enough, I you, need ethnic significance, people. Okay, so anyway, so Osage, Osage, Osage Blackfoot, Blackfoot, Cherokee, or Crow. Okay. Which one is associated with the Trail of Tears? Hmm. Um. Is there four? Did you say there yes. were four? Osage, Crow, Blackfoot, Cherokee. Cherokee. I think it's the Cherokee Trail of Tears, right? I thought I, I thought I heard about it. That. Is. No confirming There's a famous painting. Ears. There's that's a famous what? painting. That's what it is. It's <laughs> I, the Cherokee I think Trail that's of Tears. What it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Black, I thought it was called Blackfoot that. are up in the Dakotas. Yeah. Yeah, so. something, something wrong. Right. So we all agree then? Yep. It's Cherokee. This yeah. is like a Oh, okay. Well, I was waiting for you to answer. No and then points he's like, yet. I was kind of sure. hoping you wouldn't get it right. But yeah, yeah. me too. Uh, well, I, I second-guessed myself a, a little bit because I was thinking, this is no, too you easy. Heard, I you think they call it, it the Cherokee U.S. History. Trail of Tears. Yes. That's what it yep. is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. It's the Cherokee. Thank you. For those who don't know, the Trail of Tears took place in 1838 when the Cherokees and neighboring tribes of the southeast U.S were forced to relocate to another location by U.S. President Martin Van Buren. Yep, very unpopular president. Yeah, wasn't a good, well. Yeah. I mean, for that, he shouldn't have done that. At but, the same yeah. time, Seward found Alaska was right, was during that presidency History well. professor right here. That's yeah. Professor Nagengast <laughs> to you. <laughs> All right, Professor, here comes the next question. Oh, boy. The pressure's on now. What was the leading cause of death for those who died on the Trail of Tears? Hmm. Fighting against U.S. troops, exhaustion, heart attack, or infectious diseases? Hmm. Uh, I'm just going to have to guess here. Maybe infectious diseases? Could be exhaustion, but... I'm going to say infectious diseases as well. I think it's exhaustion, but Hmm. they might be right. Oh, sorry, Professor. Is it, <laughs> it infectious, infectious diseases? diseases. <laughs> Smallpox and measles uh, wiped out a lot of the people. I'm sure they were exhausted, too, to be yeah. honest. And, I mean, if you have smallpox, you're going to be, be exhausted. Though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah there's, it's thought to have killed over half of the Cherokees. So, therefore, the I, I mean, this is exhaustion. Yeah. Could have been it. <laughs> All right, number five. What tribe did the... What tribe did Chief Geronimo belong to? Do you guys know Chief oh, Geronimo? Oh, yes. That's awesome. Yep. All right. Uh, Mohawk, Apache, Blackfoot, or Osage? What tribe hmm. did Chief Geronimo belong to? This is a total guess, so I'll go with Osage. Hmm. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, what were the four again? Mohawk, Apache, Blackfoot, or Osage? Apache. I think it's Blackfoot. Jared nails down the point Oh, Apache. Mm. Apache. Mm. Apache. Good job, Jared. All right. Well, nice work. Yeah. yeah. And I think they were they were called, um, there was a term that w- referred to basically like being a renegade, I believe it's like Comanche, which is not their tribe, but they were renegade well, there Apaches. Well, the Comancheros. Comancheros, like a cowboy, basically. Yeah. Oh. I watched a lot of cowboy movies when yeah, I was a you kid. Did. <laughs> nice. All right. Last question. What is the largest reservation in the U.S.? The Northern Cheyenne? 
Cheyenne. 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 <laughs> ah, come on, Northern man. Cheyenne. You don't know Cheyenne? Cheyenne's I do. Wyoming. That's, Wyoming. The, that's the capital it. of Wyoming. I, I, We're going to put you through a Native American I, training. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're part Sioux. I know. It's a guy, I'm glad you don't Just call it the sucks. same reason I don't speak Mexican. <laughs> or soiks. Same reason I don't <laughs> speak Spanish. Do you all say you don't Mex- speak Mexican? Yeah, I'm part <laughs> soiks. <laughs> okay. All right. So back to the largest tribe, Northern Cheyenne. Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation. Okay. Upper Sioux Indian Reservation. Oh, I got that one. Osage Indian Reservation or Navajo Indian Reservation. Largest. You know, Osage. The largest. Osage. Is it largest by number or largest by square mileage? The largest. Okay. It's by All square right. mileage. <laughs> Right. Osage kind of let me down on the last one, so I'm going to try it again. Yeah. I'm just going to throw you it You really want to go know. after That's them. That's uh, Osage. Famous last words. Yeah. yeah. I believe it's it. Navajo. I think uh, Because I think, I think they, it, is they, it is literally like a whole section of, of the state of New Mexico. It's true. I think it's Navajo as well. Oh, good job, Jared and Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Osage failed you again, Chris. The Navajo Indian Reservation is also referred to as Navajo Country and was established in 1868. It is in northeast Arizona and extends into New Mexico and Utah. Yep. I got to go. Our high school senior trip was not like one of those trips like what they do with the seniors here. We actually did like a missions trip and then a couple fun days of like sightseeing and stuff. But we went to the Navajo Reservation in Farmington, New Mexico, Standing Rock. The um, Collards, there were two missionaries there. The Collards, they were twin brothers, um, older men. And then there was on the reservation itself, uh, a Maranatha connection there was the um, uh, Neil and Nelia Forrester. The Foresters were missionaries there. And uh, we got to spend a couple days with them doing some construction projects, VBS, evangelism, stuff like that. So it's neat. Well, congrats, Jared. You're the winner. Well, this I I I might have an advantage because I really enjoy the topic, and yeah. I did do some reading and to brush myself up on. And these you things. might have some some. Native and American I might blood in it you. might it might be <laughs> my DNA crying out, um, you know, of knowledge. Really Plus, I do know how name. to pronounce Cheyenne and uh, Osage, <laughs> so that that definitely Osage. gives me an advantage. So uh, okay, well. Um, Here's a couple of things about Navajos, and then we're going to have Lawrence do this day in history here. The Navajo Nation, oh, I didn't even read this, is the largest Whoa. tribe in the United States. Population topping 300,000. The, re- the reservation is the size of West Virginia. The Navajo Nation is the largest tribe in the United States. Its wild desert vistas have starred in films for the last 75 years, from the 1939 Western Stagecoach to the 2013 flop. The Lone Ranger have enticed some of Hollywood's <laughs> biggest names to the reservation. Um, but what do we really know about the D- uh, Diné people, Diné people, or Navajo? Uh, let's see. Navajo land is among the most scenic in the world. At least 12 movies have been filled, filmed in Monument Valley alone. Uh, Navajo are really very superstitious people. Navajo tradition is full of don'ts designed to keep people safe from harm or misfortune. Don't point at a rainbow or throw rocks into the wind. Don't look at slow-moving clouds or fast-moving rivers. Never stare at the moon. Above all, watch out for trickster coyotes and a wide variety of night creatures. Um, Let's see here. Oh, and I've actually heard this one before. If you whistle at night, evil spirits will whistle back. If a coyote traveling north crosses your path, it's a message that something bad is coming. So, especially if you're a roadrunner, beep, beep. Um, uh, I made that part up. When in Navajo country, uh, Indian tacos are called Navajo tacos. 
Um, let's see here. Traditional Navajos believe in skinwalkers, their ability to transform into animals. I have a friend that grew up uh, in the San Ildefonso Pueblo in New Mexico, and um, he grew up, and they taught them that. Navajos live in uh, buildings called hogans, not in teepees. Traditional dwelling, eight-sided log structure with an earth roof. Navajo code talkers are national heroes. I already talked about that earlier. The long walk is a painful memory and shameful one for the United States. 1864, the Navajo people were deported from their traditional land and forced to walk at gunpoint to an internment camp. They were held until 1868 when they were allowed to return to their traditional boundaries. The long walk is considered a collective trauma and is central to the Navajo identity today. This is something I did not know. Navajos teach each, tease each other harshly. Um, this might not be unique just to Navajos, but they believe, honestly, Navajos were the first ones to come up with mother-in-law jokes. Um, Indian humor seems rude and mean to outsiders, but it's actually not as bad as it sounds. Mutton is not a traditional food. Sheep are an important part of their culture and the cuisine, like fry bread and mutton stew. But sheep were introduced to the Navajo when the Spanish arrived in 1600. And chubby is not a traditional Navajo shape. Um, basically, uh, Navajos have viewed themselves historically as lean, fit people. It's only in you know recent history where they struggle with other health issues and things like that. So anyway, Navajos. Very interesting uh, culture, and uh, the Navajo wind talkers, of course, um, or code talkers, were fascinating. The wind and, talkers were also yeah, interesting wind talkers, as yeah. well. Yeah, code talkers, though, for the U.S. Marine Corps in this part of the Skin world. That, that, was, that was Pocahontas, though. I think yeah. she was the, yeah. the wind talker. So, uh, Lawrence, it is the 18th of January. What happened this day in history? Man, all sorts of stuff from a long time ago. I tell you, it's been a while since I've looked through this and said... Ancient history was pretty exciting. Today would be one of those. So for whatever reason, January 18th brought a lot of things back in the day uh, to happening. But in 532, the Nika uprising against Emperor Justinian in Constantinople fails. 30,000 killed by troops loyal to the emperor in the Hippodrome. And basically what happened is the Hippodrome was a, an elongated type coliseum. In in uh, Constantinople, or it's like Arrowhead Stadium. Byzantium. Yeah, it was it was long, and they would do chariot races around, mm -hmm. and uh, some believe an Olympic events were held there, that type of thing. But anyways, basically, they had people there for an event, and the 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 soldiers, the men of the emperor, just basically went on a on a rampage, and there was just thirty thousand people that died. Wow! In the Hippodrome, specifically. But uh, again, it was their own. They began it. They 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 wanted to begin an uprising, a revolt against Justinian, and basically thirty thousand of them. Which at that point, um, Justinian was ready to run, and his wife um, is is actually a very famous lady because of this. Basically, said, "I'd rather die in purple than live on the run." Hmm. In a paragraph, <laughs> mm -hmm. she it was a speech she gave him. Because he was ready to get out of there. And she says, listen, I'm not going anywhere. I'd rather die royal in royalty than, than run and be in rags, basically. Run in rags. That's mm. probably actually mm. what she said. Mm. So, interesting. Uh, 1535, Francisco Pizarro 
found the city of Lima in Peru. So he's one of the three main explorers that found different Indian tribes in the Central and South America. Um, Cortez would have been another one who found the uh, Aztecs. And then I can't remember the other third famous guy that found um, the Mayans. This would be the Incas, would be who Pizarro worked with in Peru. And then the Mayans were found by... Um, Ponce de Leon? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Then in 1671, British pirate Henry Morgan captures Panama City from its Spanish defenders. Henry Morgan uh, spent a lot of time uh, in Jamaica. Uh, there's a ton of, he's from Britain, but he's, there's a ton of story, uh, you know, artifacts, things like that. He had a plantation there mm-hmm. in the sugarcane fields. Uh, so there was actually, I watched a documentary on him. Was he a privateer um, or a pirate? He was a pirate. Okay. He was a pirate. Um, so the 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 crown did not endorse his piracy. No, no. Okay. But he's from there. Not like Francis became, Drake or whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah. No. 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 Seventeen seventy eight. Captain James Hook stumbles over Sandwich Islands, which are now known as the Hawaiian Islands. Hmm. But uh, that happened today. Um. So that to me that was that was a lot of ancient history stuff. Eighteen seventeen. Jose de San Martin leads a revolutionary army over the Andes to attack Spanish royalists in Chile. So he was he was one of the guys that is held up in South America as one of their liberators. Uh, him and Simon Bolivar or, mm-hmm. or Bolivier uh, are two of the guys that really freed the South American people from mm-hmm. the, the grips of, of the Spanish. Uh, 1871, Second German Empire proclaimed by Kaiser Wilhelm I and Otto von Bismarck. Uh, some famous guys back in the German So that was the line. Second Reich, and that's why Hitler claimed to have the Third, Third. Reich. Okay, uh, got it. Reich is government, yeah. basically. So... Yeah, pretty pretty interesting. Uh, 1929, Stalin proposes to ban Trotsky from the Politburo. Uh, Trotsky was the military commander for Lenin and was extremely influential, specifically in the military. And it was honestly going to be him or Stalin that came to power once Lenin died. Stalin came to power and pretty much had everybody take a walk, um, whether that be through death or banishment. And that's what happened. So... Um, Trotsky was killed, hmm. uh, first banned and then killed. But interestingly enough, Trotsky and Stalin spent a lot of time in Switzerland during Lenin's uh, time meeting people in cafes like Mussolini, like Hitler, like many others, uh, specifically Mussolini, and they would talk about the the revolutions going on in Russia, and that's where Mussolini kind of got fired up. And if there's you see a lot of pictures of early Mussolini, Hitler's in those pictures kind of hanging out as pretty much nothing but a socialist member at that time, a uh, Nazi member, uh, not a leader. Anyways, that was a lot of history there, probably enough, uh, for one. We love one history this on this show. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> defines our existence. That's right. That's totally true. Well, anyways, let me, I always try to finish with a... Um, at least you say you do. Right. You What's don't that? know, uh, you, you say you try... But you don't try very hard. I do, hard. but I'm telling you, this no. The, the, I mean, the, the if you really were trying, it would be happier. I know. <laughs> don't well, end last with the year. Trotskyites. And yeah, the, the Trotskyists getting killed. The, the Trotskyists trotted out. Brazilian surfer Maya Gabaria, or Gabera rides the largest ever wave by a female surfer at 20.72 meters, which Whoa. is 68 feet. Whoa! At Praia do Norte in uh, Nazarene, Portugal. So a 68-foot wave. 
That's not so okay. positive. You ended positive. That's pretty cool. That's that's positive. That's, a that's positive. Did she live? Like the average that they're riding uh, are anywhere from 20 to 20, 30, 40 feet. That'd be considered like a maverick. A 68-foot yep. wave yep. is that that you can you can fall and die from that height. That, yep. That's high. You could. So. You could. Well, um Lawrence, thanks for sharing the this day in history for us. And guys, thanks for being here. I'm going to take a very short break. And when I come back, I'm going to wrap up the show. So li- listeners, stick around. We've got about a one-minute break here, and then we'll be right back with more Live Till 5 after this. Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me. Walk with me, Lord, God, walk with me. While I'm on this old tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. And we're back with the last few minutes of Live Till 5. Thanks for being with us today. Talked a little bit about everything, including Native American heritage. Wanted to finish one final topic with that before we wrap up the show. What do you say as far as correct terminology when you're referring to the people that we've referred to? Navajo peoples, Sioux, Blackfoot, Apache, Cherokee. Well, according to Native Knowledge 360 or AmericanIndian.si.edu. What is the correct terminology? Well, American Indian, Indian, Native American, or Native. All of these terms are acceptable. The consensus, however, is that whenever possible, Native people prefer to be called by their specific tribal name. In the United States, Native American has been widely used, but is falling out of favor with some groups, and the terms American Indian or Indigenous American are preferred by many Native people. And I know in Canada... They are referred to as First Peoples or for the First Nations. And so um, there you go. That might answer that question for you as far as what term to use if you want to be correct in what you say and uh, always respectful. And it was an interesting topic that all came from that obituary about Alfred Newman, the uh, Native American code talker, the Navajo code talker from World War II who served here in Guam and helped with the liberation of Guam. Pretty neat story. I'd encourage you to look up his biography and read a little more about Native American history and uh, the Navajo code talkers especially is really an interesting topic. And uh, wow, this show has just gone by so quickly today. This is episode 299 on this Friday, January 18th. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. I invite you to visit us at Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. We have classes for all ages, 10.30 a.m., our Sunday morning worship service. We'd love to see you here. I'm one of the pastors, so if you do come visit our church because of this invitation, please come up and introduce yourself so I know that you heard it here on Live Till 5. And that about wraps it up for episode 299. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. This is Live Till 5 on KHMG 88.1 FM. Harvest Family Radio, Baragata Guam. Have a great weekend.